be reading from the end of 1 Samuel 15 and the first part of 1 Samuel 16. But I want to share a message today that simply asks the question, how long? How long? For me personally, for the Bridge Church, this has been a great year. It's been a wonderful year. Uh, I'm so excited about what God has been doing and, and the future God has laid in front of us. I'm not the guy who's big on New Year's resolutions, mainly because they don't last long. So, you know, for me, what's the use? Because that, that's just kind of how I'm pretty pragmatic about that. But having said that, I don't know what kind of year you've had. I don't know what 2019 was for you. I don't measure life in years. I mean, not year to year. I measure it in years. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I am over 50. Um, so that, that's a round number, as you know. Uh, my dad used to say, once you get past 50, you're going on 100. So I'm somewhere between 50 and 100. But, but the point this morning is this. Maybe you've ended 2019 and you're not in such a great place. You know, in life, stuff happens. And you can't control all of it. You can't control the outcome of a lot of things. Some of us are control freaks and we want to control everything. There are a lot of things in life you cannot control. And I want to read to you this morning the end of a story, at least, or at least part of the end of a story. But before I, I read it, I want to talk to you about this story and set it up. It's going to take me a few minutes to set it up and tell the story. But I want to talk to you about a story with a sad, happy ending. You say, well, which is it? It's both. It's got a sad ending, but then it has a happy ending. And I want to talk to you today about dealing with these disappointments and difficulties in life. So let me set it up. In 1 Samuel 15, we begin to see the culmination of a story involving God, a prophet named Samuel, who was the prophet to the nation of Israel. He spoke to the nation. And the very first king that was chosen, and his name was Saul. It was a new season in Israel. The people demanded that God give them a king because they wanted to be like all the other nations. They wanted a man. They wanted a face, a figure to lead them. And the theocracy of Israel was about to be challenged. Now, let me take a moment and explain this because it's important, okay? When I use the word theocracy... Basically, in Old Testament pictures and language, a theocracy was a nation of people who were led by God's voice as he spoke to an individual, whether it be a prophet or whoever it might be. So basically, God is leading the nation of Israel. He has for several generations. There have been leaders. There was Moses. There was Joshua. There were judges along the way. Now the prophets are leading. And Samuel is a godly man, a godly prophet. But the people begin to cry out and they say, we don't want to be a theocracy. We don't want to follow a, a God we can't see. Israel had always struggled with that, even in the wilderness. We don't want to follow a God we can't see and we don't want to trust a prophet. We want a king so we can be like other nations. In other words, we want to follow a man. And when this happened, Samuel the prophet was brokenhearted. He felt rejected. He felt like, man, the people don't trust me. 
They don't see the blessing and the prosperity of God. They don't see the great things God's done, and they want to move away from that. And, and he was brokenhearted because he felt like they were rejecting him. So in the middle of all this, God encouraged Samuel. God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're, they're really rejecting me. Now, now here's the important thing about theocracy. In the Old Testament, we see it as a picture of God leading a nation. But in our individual lives, it's really a picture of a healthy relationship with God. Where God speaks to us by his spirit and then we obey and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. God is saying to Samuel, don't be discouraged because it's not that they don't like you and don't receive you. They just don't want to follow my instructions anymore. So God chose a man named Saul to become Israel's first king. And Saul was the kind of guy that everybody wanted to follow. You look at this guy and he's got king just written all over him. The Bible says he was head and shoulders taller than anybody in Israel. And while I'm thinking about that, I've got some great friends here today. Actually, it's family. I have cousins here. My cousin William Phipps, Billy Phipps, William Jr. Uh, you can call him a lot of things. He'll, if you call, call him for dinner, he'll definitely answer. But uh, he pastors a church in Escondido along with his wife, Annie. You guys stand up. We just want to... Look at this. Now, Billy, come up here a minute. You can help. I call him Billy because he's my cousin. I asked one of the security guys earlier, remember the movie Twins? We're cousins. Can you believe that? And uh, he identifies with Arnold, and I guess I identify with Danny DeVito a little bit. I don't know. But uh, Billy Pastor's a great church in Escondido. If you've got family down that way, send them to the Crossing Church in Escondido. You can sit down. I just wanted to use this illustration. It's like Saul. I mean, he's head and shoulders over everybody else in Israel. And the people look at him and say, yeah, that's what we want. We want a king that he'll be impressive he will intimidate everybody around us that's what we want so Samuel anoints him to become king over Israel and I'll get to that in just a moment so the kingship starts and it's going pretty well at first and really so innocently Samuel goes and anoints Saul to be king. And if you would, hand me that picture under my, sheet, my, my seat there because I want to illustrate this to you. In the Old Testament, one of the things that was very important was what they called the anointing oil. God gave them a specific recipe. There were different ingredients in it. And this oil was important. And so what the prophets would do was they would carry this oil, in Samuel's case, in an animal's horn. They made a flask out of an animal's horn. And they would fill it with oil and they would keep that oil. And when God had something for them to consecrate for his purposes, they would go in and pour oil on it. For example, the furniture in the temple, they poured oil on that. They poured oil on the heads of prophets and kings and priests and so forth. But when the prophet went somewhere with his oil... When they put oil on you, it's not like we do in church today where you get a little drop of olive oil and you put it on somebody's forehead and pray over them. They would take this vial of oil, this horn of oil, and they would just pour it all out on the guy's head or the woman's head. And it would just run down all over their clothes and just spill out onto the ground. 
And that was a picture of God's power, God's authority, God's anointing coming upon them. So Samuel anoints Saul to be king and says to the people, this is the man God has chosen. In other words, thus saith the Lord, this is your king. And it started innocently. It started pretty well. And in this process, Saul was a little bashful, a little bit backwards, wasn't sure about this whole thing, a little unsure of himself, no confidence. Samuel encouraged him. And Scripture says when Samuel poured that oil, the Holy Spirit, upon him, that Saul became a different man and even began to prophesy about the future. So here this king has been given by God and Saul and Samuel create this really close relationship. And Samuel is mentoring Saul, teaching him the ways of God, teaching him how to follow God. And for a while it goes pretty well, but after some success, this bashful guy Saul begins to think, hey, I, I am pretty good. Look at all the success. I'm winning battles. I'm winning wars. Everybody's afraid of me. Everybody in the nation honors me. I'm pretty good. You know, I think I can do this on my own and make my own decisions. So he begins to disobey God's instructions. Samuel comes and says, here's what the Lord says. Here's what you need to do. And Saul says, great, go ahead, I'll do it. And then he walks away and does his own thing. Sometimes he half follows God, sometimes he ignores it. Not once or twice, but on several occasions, he made self-willed decisions. So finally, God sent Samuel to him because of their relationship. God sent Samuel to Saul, and Samuel told him, Saul, you've got to stop this. You're not obeying God. God is not going to put up with this disobedience. Saul said, okay, great, I will. But then he ignored all of it. He refused to repent. He refused to own up with his own self-will and disobedience. And he blamed the people. He blamed everybody else. But he wouldn't take his own part in what he was doing. Which tells us something important for our own lives. God sees my partial obedience as total disobedience. When God says something to me, I need to listen to all of it and do everything he tells me to do. So over a period of time, Saul just continues and continues. You see the end of it in 1 Samuel 15. Go home and read it this afternoon. But here's what happens. Finally, God looks down and says, that's it. I'm done with Saul. I'm finished with Saul. And Scripture literally says, now get this, we're talking about God, Samuel, and Saul. God says... I regret making Saul the king. I regret that I've done this. Now that's a lot for some of us theologically to get our minds around. But in, in Hebrew picture language, which much of the Hebrew language is pictures, the picture's literally this. God does this. He goes, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry. That I did that. So God is hurting because of Saul's actions and disobedience because he wants better for his people. And God says, I reject Saul. And he didn't take him off the throne immediately. He was there actually for a few more years. But what God did was, he said, because of your disobedience, I reject you and I pull my hand of blessing back off of your life. You're on your own. And so God tells Samuel, go tell Saul, 
I'm not going to bless him anymore. I reject him being my king. So Samuel goes and breaks the news to Saul, and here's what he says. Listen to the words. He says, Saul, here's what God says. Your stubbornness and your self-willed rebellion is like witchcraft to God. When you do your own thing and don't obey God's voice, it's like worshiping demonic powers. And because of that, God's rejected you and his hand of blessing is coming off of your life. Again, Saul makes excuses and says, it's not my fault, it's the people, we were going to do this down the road. And Samuel says, no, I'm done with you too. Here's the interesting thing. This relationship gets broken. This old prophet and this young king, the relationship is destroyed, it's severed, and Saul is left there on the throne to figure it out for himself. And Samuel goes home and enters into a state of deep mourning. He's brokenhearted. It's not the way it's supposed to be. I poured oil on this guy. Man, I did everything to raise him up, and look what he's done. This is a horrible, horrible thing. Let's talk for a moment about disappointments and bad endings. Look, if you would, at 1 Samuel 15. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen. Verse 34. Then Samuel went to Ramah. And Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Most of us, most of us, don't do well with disappointments and bad endings. We just don't. Bridge Youth are in the house today. Let me hear it from Bridge Youth this morning. Here we go. Bridge Youth, let me, let me give you guys something to apply to your life today. In your future, there will be some disappointments. There will be some struggles. But if you won't abandon God, God will never abandon you. In the middle of all those struggles, God has a better plan for the future. You don't ever want to give up on it. Don't stop walking with God even when you don't understand. So here's, here's Samuel in depression. It's a bad ending. He's disappointed. But isn't that just like us? When things don't end well, we don't handle it very well. When things end abruptly and badly, we tend to crawl into that crater, that bomb that's been dropped. We crawl in that hole and we tend to just stay there and say, I'm just going to pull in the hole around me and die. It's over with. Because we're very emotional beings at times. This is what happened with Samuel. God's hurting, Samuel's hurting, and Saul is leading a whole nation with his own strength. It's the story. And I, I can see Samuel. And I, I, I want to take a couple minutes and paint this picture. I can see Samuel in this season of mourning. I mean, he's the, he's the prophet who anointed this king. 
The people have trusted him. He's the one that poured the oil on him. He's the one that said he's God's man. Now he says, you're not God's man anymore. And he's wondering, what are the people going to think about me now? I set him up. I mentored him. Things went well, but then he went his own way. Things have gone bad. He begins to think only of himself. Through the years, I've seen people, even Christian people, who've had their whole lives, their whole futures destroyed because of disappointments and bad endings and they never learned how to deal with the pain of the moment and they went into a season and got stuck there forever and it altered the course of their lives. I've lost friends because they couldn't figure out a future and when I tried to encourage them that God had better plans, they would reject my words and draw away from me. Their future swallowed up by their pain, the disappointments. So here's Samuel. He's hurting. He's mourning. Doesn't know where to go from here. And in this season of mourning, God says three things to him. In the next few minutes, we're going to talk about those three simple things. Look at 1 Samuel 16, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, man, this year has ended so badly. I am hurting so bad and I don't know how to go forward from here. Let me give you a little bit of stuff straight from the heart of God. Scripture tells us, Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything. Verse 11 of that chapter says, everything is beautiful in its time. So here's, here's what that chapter is really saying. Time to be born, a time to die, a, plan to, a time to plant, a time to rip stuff up. There's a time for everything, and if you do everything in its season, it's beautiful. What God says is, there is a right time for everything. But there's also a wrong time. For some things when we get out of sync and out of season with God we put ourselves in a bad place you see God will never rebuke us for being hurt by disappointments and bad endings he doesn't condemn us and look down on us because we're hurt we're broken God hurt over Saul he won't rebuke us for that but God does say there is a time to mourn but the time is not forever let me illustrate this to you. In the Old Testament, among the Jewish people, there was a time set. If a close family member passed away, you had so many days to mourn. Remember when Moses was taken home and God took him up on the mountain and he died? Israel had a period of mourning for 40 days. There is a time to mourn, but not forever. So how do we, how do we overcome disappointments and bad endings? Today, God is saying to you, how long? How long? And listen closely. How long do you want to stay here? Because we determine how long we stay in the hole. How long do you want to stay here? That's what he says to Samuel. See, I can see Samuel. He's brokenhearted, man. Everything he's done, it's all up in the air. He's worried about what people think about him. And he goes over and, oh, man, I poured out all my oil and drained myself. My shelf doesn't work right. The doors aren't good. 
just puts it up and says, I'm done, man. I am done. I'm done. What a failure I am. I'm done. And it lasts for days, weeks, months. For the rest of Saul's life, he has no conversation with Saul, except for a, a time or two on rare situations when he was thrust into something. My life's over. I have no future. I have nothing to live for. I am a fool, and everybody knows it. God says, Samuel, how long do you don't feel sorry for yourself? I've heard too over this. How long do you want to sit there? How long are you going to mourn because I've rejected Saul? How long are you going to mourn because I've done some things that you think make you look bad? How long are you going to be here? What do you do? What do you do when disappointments and bad endings come about? Well, let me give you one little thing. The first thing you want to do is take responsibility for your part in it. I was talking with a minister friend the other day. We were having coffee, and the subject came up. He didn't know I was going to be talking about it, but he, he brought it up. I didn't, but it's true. Most of our pains and challenges in life are self-inflicted. Everybody say, poor decisions. Poor choices. I, I did a Saul thing. I wanted to do this, and I did it. Can I tell you something? There have been times in my life when I've made Saul decisions and I knew in my heart this is not the best thing to do. This is not God's best, but I did it anyway. And every time it ended badly. I had made one decision one time. It cost me $13,000 and several months of my life to pay it back. How many of you know that's one of those decisions you don't want to make twice? Make that one once. But I had to come to the place where I took my part in my responsibility for what I'd done. If I've sinned, I need to go to God and repent and turn my life and adjust things. If I've wronged someone, I need to ask forgiveness and make it right with them, no matter what it costs me. Because if I fail to take responsibility for my actions, I will carry the weight and the poison of my mistake, and it will infect all the rest of my life. So i got to take my responsibility. But let's look at Samuel. Samuel didn't cause this. This wasn't his fault. Saul did this. So what do you do in this innocent situation? Now, I, I can see Samuel sitting there. Well, I'm the prophet of God. I'm the one who anointed Saul. I'm the one that poured that precious, powerful oil on his head. What are the people going to think about me now? What are the people going to say about me my reputation is ruined i'm ashamed i look stupid in the eyes of the people isn't it funny when you have a bad ending and disappointment well all you can see is yourself nobody's ever suffered like me my cousin will tell you we come from a family on one side of the family nobody's ever suffered like them they'll tell you and I'm, I'm trying to outgrow that and take responsibility for myself. So Samuel goes into mourning. He might even be in depression. His life is stuck. He said, I'm wrong. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. People are going to mock me. And, and how about this one? How can I go back and resurrect the past? There are some people here today. You need to stop trying to resurrect the past because God has a better future plan for you. Lay it down and let God work. He's got a better idea. 
Samuel says, I, what am I going to do? How do I resurrect the past and fix this thing? I am a has-been. Poured out all my oil. Put my horn in the cabinet. Sit down in my rocking chair and it's over. Maybe you feel that way today. But God asks him, Samuel, Fred, Mary, John, Henry, whatever name you might own today, how long are you going to mourn over what's happened? How long are you going to live life on hold because of the past? Several years ago, and I don't talk about this a lot. I refer to it now and then. I don't ever talk about details because it doesn't matter now. 21 years ago, a little over that, my life fell apart. Everything I had built, everything I had done, everything I would worked for all my life fell apart in a few months' time. I ended up in a position where I was going to have to start life over. And I'll be honest, I did not know where to begin. And I felt, I think, like Samuel felt here. Feeling sorry for myself, mourning. I was in this huge crater hole and had no idea how to get out. I was stuck. I wanted to believe God had a future, but it was hard to believe because all I could see was the hole in my own pain. And one night, I went to a church service. It was on a Tuesday night. <coughs> They had a guest speaker there. He'd come in from halfway across the country. I'd never seen the guy, never heard of him, didn't know him. He taught an amazing teaching that night. I still remember it. Taught this amazing teaching. And when he finished, he said, in a few minutes, I want to just minister to a few people and pray for a few people. When it came time to minister, he pointed at me and said, stand up, I want to pray for you. First person, I want to pray for you. He spent 12 minutes reading my mail about where I'd come from and how I got where I was. And then he spent time talking about the future that God had planned, places I was going to go, things I was going to do that had never entered my mind that have come to pass since then. And when he got finished doing all this, he prayed for me. When he finished praying, here's what he said. And you take everything, everything you've got left, Take all of it. Lay it at God's feet and let him work. And when he's done, whatever's there is there. Whatever's gone is gone. But just go forward and let God bless you. What a word for a broken pastor with a broken heart. A few weeks later, It sounds stupid, but I'm going to tell it because somebody needs to hear it. A few weeks later, all I had left was a watch with a gold band. I mean solid gold band. The watch wasn't expensive, but the band was. I had this watch because I was cool back then, and I had this gold nugget watch band, you know. How many remember gold nugget watch bands? It was expensive. I had that, and I had a, a wedding ring from a broken marriage. I went to church one night and I was so ready to start my life over that I just took them off and dropped them in the offering. That's all I had left. I said, God, I laid at your feet. I'll let you work. And slowly but surely, God began to turn things around. But the first key was 
realizing I don't have to live in this hole forever. God has a better plan. Then there's a second thing. Let's read a little further in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. And would, would you do me a huge favor and bring me a Kleenex? Wow, what a blessing. Y'all forgive me this morning. I'm sorry. For theater's sake, just so you know. God says to Samuel, how long are you going to sit there? Okay, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to do, what do you want? God says, fill your horn with oil. Oh, oh no, no, no. I put that thing up a long time ago. I've, I've given up on that. That horn, that oil is important. God says, fill that, fill that container, fill it with oil. Fill it up, fill it up. There's some important things we need to understand about this. I mean, this is what they used to anoint priests and kings and tabernacle furniture. And, and, and when, they, when they poured this out on something, it, it became holy. It became set apart and precious for God's work. Samuel said, man, I'm, I'm done with all that. All the purposes of God. I poured out my oil. It's done. God says, no, 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 no. This speaks of the future. You need to fill that container with oil. Fill it up. Because I've got things for you to do. I've got a purpose for your life. That oil also signified God's power resting on an individual. Samuel, you're still my voice. You're still my prophet. There's some important things I need you to do for the future of this nation. I'm not finished with you. I'm not done yet. I mentioned earlier there was an exact recipe for making anointing oil. God said, Samuel... Make the oil, follow the recipe, fill the jug with oil. Some of us need to remember, I don't care how disappointed and broken you might be, the recipe for having God's presence in your life has never changed. It's still all about getting alone with God and laying it at His feet and let Him heal you and make you strong and give you purpose and vision for a new future not a, a repetition of the old go back to the recipe get alone with God and see what God has to say have you ever felt like all the oil been poured out of you you ever felt like dishcloth that, that you rolled it up and squeezed it and squeezed it until everything's gone have you ever felt like you poured out your life and it it just hasn't worked God says, how long are you going to feel sorry for yourself? Get alone with me and let me pour that oil into your life. Give you a future worth living for. You know what he in essence said? Samuel, you need to change your attitude. You need to start looking forward and quit looking backward. 
You need to forget about Saul. You need to forget about Israel. I'll deal with that. You need to get your eyes on this nation and the purposes for this nation because I'm going to use you as a voice to speak to this nation. So fill your horn with oil and get ready for what's next. Change your attitude. Look forward. You know, I told you this story. I told you the story about this guy calling me out. Probably four months, five months after that, one night in the middle of the night, I'm, I'm laying in my bed. I'm still hurting. I'm still broken. Some things have happened. And I'm laying there and I said, God, I just can't go on. Now, God speaks to all of us differently. I'm aware of that. I didn't hear, you know, voices. The curtains didn't rattle. Uh, you know, the pipes didn't do anything weird in the house. Nothing like that. But I'm lying in my bed saying, I, I can't go. And God spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard him speak and said, Gary, who says you can't go on? I sent a guy halfway across the country to speak to you one night to tell you it was okay to go on. If I say you can go on, who else can say you can't go on? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is in our future, who can stop the future that God has set before us? Nobody. 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 It's the middle of the night. God says, get up and go. Come on. It's time to leave it behind. Now, look at one more thought. The third thing God says to Samuel. First, it's how long are you going to sit there? Second of all, it's fill your horn with oil. Look at the rest of the verse. Fill your horn with oil and what? Go. Fill your horn with oil and go. See, probably the biggest mistake Christians make in their lives is sitting there praying about something and God fills their horn with oil and they get all excited. Woo, this is wonderful. And God says, go. No, I'm just going to stay here and drink the oil. This is cool. I like this. It's not for your personal benefit necessarily. It's good for you, but it's about his plan for your life and those lives you're going to be touching. It's about the future. Fill the horn with oil and then go. Why? Look at what it says. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Third thing God says, Samuel, I've got instructions for you. Here's what you're going to do. So you got the oil, pick up, pick up the bottle, pick up the flask, pick up the horn, take the oil, and go anoint the new king. Go step into the new season of what I've planned for my people. See, God won't catapult me into his will. He doesn't throw me into his will. He gives me instructions and says, now walk it out. And he expects me to go and walk into what he's shown me. Two questions at the end of this message. Why did God ever anoint Saul in the first place? I mean, think about this. God knows the end from the beginning. So something's already finished before God ever starts. He knew what Saul's decisions were going to be. He knew that. But when it happens and God experiences, he regrets that he had ever put Saul in that position. Why did God ever anoint Saul? I think very simply, it's because that's what the people wanted. 
Some of us are sitting here today saying, why? Why did God let me make such a horrible choice? God, why did you do that? And God says, that's what you wanted. It was your choice, not mine. See, that's why it's important for us to take responsibility for where we are. But what did God have planned next? Why did he have Samuel fill that horn with oil? Why did he tell him to go to, to, to Bethlehem, to Jesse's house, to find this kid David? Why? It's because God had plans for a future to raise up a young man who would not do his own will, but would do the will of God. He would raise up a David, a man after God's own heart. See, that's one of the things we learn in desperate seasons, painful seasons, seasons of disappointment. I don't want to go back to my ways. I want God's ways. I want to be after God's heart, which ushers in an era of blessing and victory. Perhaps today your life looks like Saul. Maybe there's a big disappointment and a bad ending. Here's the final word for you today. God has a David waiting in the wings if you'll just walk into it. How long are you going to wait? Go back to the recipe. Fill your horn with oil. Let him pour his spirit in your life. And then when he does so, get up and go in God's direction. I want to pray for people today. And while I pray in just a moment, the worship team's going to get in place because we're going to sing one more song. But I want... I want everybody to bow your heads this morning. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I know God is speaking to a lot of people in the house today. We don't embarrass people here at the Bridge Church. We, we don't do things to make people feel self-conscious and bad and weird. But there's something about us taking steps of faith. Today, God can say to you, how long are you going to sit there in mourning? He can say to you, fill the horn with oil, but he can also say, go, but you've got to go. Today is a step of faith. If I've been talking to you, if God's speaking to your heart today, if you're ready to get out of the old and walk into something brand new that's different than you ever dreamed, if that's you, by faith, I'm simply going to ask you to stand to your feet because I want to pray for you today right there where you are. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is not to embarrass anybody. There we go. Across the building. I want to pray for you. Father, all over this room, people are standing. They don't want to live in mourning anymore. They don't want to weep anymore over what's happened. They want to forget it and walk away. The season to grieve is over. The season to move forward into a brand new blessed future is here. And Father, we stand to our feet today because we want the new. We're not going to try and recreate the old. We want the new. So Father, we surrender everything to you and we lay it at your feet. We come to your altar. We lay it all down and give it to you. And Father, we ask you to pour your oil into our lives. Right there where you are as you stand, just take your hands out in front of you and make a cup. Let it be symbolic of your life. We're going to pray for God to fill that cup. Father, in Jesus' name right now, fill our lives with your oil and your presence. Wash away the hurt and the pain of the past and lead us into a brand new future. Things we've never dreamed of before. Things we haven't been able to see down in this hole. Show us what lies ahead. 
Let us see it clearly in Jesus' name. Then, Father, give us the faith to get up and walk. Walk out of this hole, climb that hill, leave this crater behind, and head into something that's glorious and better. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Please don't anybody leave. We'll dismiss in a few minutes. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're going to come to the altar and lay everything at God's feet and let him work in our lives together today.
while you're standing just for two more minutes I want to pray one more prayer the three darkest days in history when Jesus died upon a cross the disciples went into mourning wondering what's gonna happen next on the third day everything changed you may be here today and you may be at the darkest hour of your lifetime Maybe you're even wondering, how did I wind up here today? But you've sat in this building and you've listened to this message and you've wondered, God, do you care about me? God loves you so much, he put his own son on a cross to pay for your mistakes so you could become a part of his family. Right now, he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's simply saying, let me help. Let me help. We're not big on religion here, but we love to talk about being in relationship with God, being led by His Spirit, comforted by Him. Maybe you're here today and you don't want anything to do with religion. You're in the right place. But if you're looking for God's help, God's here to help you today. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just a simple acknowledgement. God, I need you in my life and I open my heart to you. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray it with me. Wrap your heart, your faith around these words and let God begin to work in your life. Everybody pray this. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to walk with you. From this day forward, you'll be my father. I'll be your child because of Jesus. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. If you just made that decision, you prayed that prayer, whether you're the prodigal on the run that's coming home or whether you prayed it for the first time ever, it's the most important prayer and decision you make in your entire life but we want to help you follow through. It's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning of your relationship with God. We've got a little tool we want to give you. It's our gift to you. It's called the next seven days. No strings attached, we want to give it to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you. If you don't remember the name, it doesn't matter. Just ask for the booklet, they'll give it to you. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you. If you're in a really big rush, out in our lobby, as you exit the building right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there at the big sign. You can stop by there, ask for the booklet there. They'll give it to you there. Again, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Let us do this for you today, okay? Hey, welcome to God's family. Can we put our hands together and welcome new family members? God bless you. You may be seated this morning as Pastor Ann comes. As you're seated, can we just give Pastor Gary a hand for such an awesome message this morning? So good. And it is so great being in church with you today. We are so glad all of you are here. And you know, this is the time in our service when we worship God with our giving. And as we conclude 2019, the last Sunday of 2019, can hardly believe it, but as we conclude this year, we just want to say a huge thank you to all of you for your faithfulness in giving here at the bridge. And we want to take a couple of moments to share some highlights with you of what your giving has accomplished this year. Because 
so many people's lives have been impacted through your giving and therefore through our collective giving. You know, one of the things, we together helped fund the completion of a water well in a village in Kenya that had never had running water. Now they have two water sources, and these people are forever changed. They do not have to walk miles to get their water. So that is awesome. You helped make that possible. Sure, give yourselves a hand. It's so great. And then through our sponsorship of our missions partner in China, they have actually this year printed the Bible in a, a dialect, a Chinese dialect that has never had a Bible before. And not only have they not had a Bible, they did not even have a word for God. So this has been a process that has taken several years to formulate words in this dialect and to print a Bible this is one of the first copies of this Bible where now over a million unreached people have been reached with the gospel and have a Bible in their dialect. Pretty awesome. Together, we've also sponsored the Bible app in the Hindi language so that young adults all over India can be reached and have the Bible come alive for them. And this has the potential to reach over half a billion people in India. Pretty amazing. And then we've sponsored women's conferences in India and provided teaching for women's conference and pastors' wives and women in leadership and training sessions there. We've also sponsored and provided teaching for five men's conferences this year and two pastors and leadership conferences in India and Nepal. And in addition to that, through our partnership with the Associated Association of Related Churches, we have planted five churches internationally and 65 churches across the United States. And if you take just those 65 churches and combine their launch Sundays, just their first Sundays of those 65 churches, in those services alone, 799 people gave their lives to Jesus. Pretty incredible. You all have a part in that. And then here a little bit closer to home through our community care program where we distribute free food and clothing every Sunday. This year, we have provided for over 7,600 people. So thank you so much for giving towards our community care program. We've also provided 2,000 backpacks filled with school supplies for families in need to help them get their children ready for a new and successful school year. We have also provided Christmas gifts for over 100 children as well as gift cards for 50 foster families in Riverside County who were receiving new foster children during the holiday season. So thank you so much for being part of that with us. So many other things have happened, so many other missions efforts that we've been a part of. But lastly, I want to share with you that right here, through all of our services at the bridge, year to date, we have seen 1,488 people give their lives to Jesus. 
Your giving is making an eternal difference in people's lives. And so today, on this last Sunday of 2019, as we give, I want you to know that your giving truly is impacting people for all eternity. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. God bless you as you give today. And as the ushers come, let's check out our church news together. Welcome to The Bridge, everyone. My name is Mia, and we want to thank you for being in church with us this morning. We hope that you enjoy your morning and that you and your family feel right at home today. A new year is right in front of us, and we are very excited about everything 2020 has in store for us. We hope that you will be here for everything that's happening in the weeks ahead. Here's a look at what's coming up. If you are new to The Bridge or looking to find out how you can get involved, we invite you to join us at Connecting Point. Maybe you want to make the bridge your home church or find out how you can serve on a team. Connecting Point is your first step. Come and hear the heart, mission, and vision of the Bridge Church, but most importantly, find out where you fit in. If you'd like to come, it's happening on Sunday, January 5th during the 1130 service. Just sign up at the Info Center before you go today so that we can plan for you. You can also sign up on our website or on the Bridge app. We hope to meet you and help you get connected on Sunday, January 5th at Connecting Point. Guys, Bridgeman is happening Tuesday, January 14th at 6.30 p.m. This night is for men of all ages and we want to encourage you to come. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, have kids, or don't. These nights are a great opportunity to come and be encouraged by other guys who want to grow in their walk with God. It's also a great opportunity just to make some new friends. This month, we will be talking about what it means to be a man of God in the workplace, a topic that is relevant to all of us. So guys, make your plans to be here Tuesday, January 14th at 6.30 p.m. for Bridge Men. Well, as you know, this is the last Sunday of 2019. 2020 is just right around the bend. And I'm excited about this new year that's coming. And I believe that this year can be the best year of your life. So we're going to kick off the new year with the series entitled The Box. We're going to talk about how you see God, how God sees you, what you expect from God, what God wants to pour into your life. We're going to look how your life can be better as you walk with God. Now you might be wondering, well, what's in the box? Well you got to find out for yourself. So every Sunday in January, we're talking about the box. You don't want to miss it. If you are new to the bridge and you want to find out how to get plugged in, we invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team is here to help you find your place at the bridge. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For general info, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also download the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending Sundays with you.
Yes, we do love spending Sundays with you. It's been great being in church with you today. And you know, we especially love the last Sunday of the month when we have Bridge Youth in service with us. And so today, being the last Sunday of the year, we just wanted to do a little something extra special for Bridge Youth. So we've got an after party planned for all of you happening right when we dismiss over in the Youth Center with pizza, games, all kinds of fun stuff. So you guys can head over there and everyone else, we will see you next Sunday, the first Sunday of 2020. Happy New Year. Jesus.